grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. chapter 66, beginning at the 18th verse. As for me, because of their works and their thoughts, the time is coming for me to gather people from all nations and all languages. They will come and they will see my glory. Then I will set up a sign among them, and I will send out survivors from among them to the nations, to Tarshish, Pole, and Lud, to those who are archers, to Tubal and Javan, to the distant coastlands who have not heard my message and have not seen my glory. Then they will declare my glory among the nations. Then they will bring all your brothers and, and all the nations as an offering to the Lord. They will bring them on horses and chariots and wagons and mules and dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem says the Lord. In the same way that the people of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel to the Lord's house. Even from among these people, I will take priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth that I am making will remain standing before me, declares the Lord, in the same way your offspring and your name will stand. As often as one new moon follows another, and one Sabbath follows another. All flesh will come to worship before me, says the Lord. They will go out, and they will see the corpses of the ones who were rebelling against me. For their worm will not die, and their fire will not be quenched. And all flesh will be horrified by them. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning at the 18th verse. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to burning fire, to darkness, to gloom, to a raging storm, to the sound of a trumpet, and to a voice that spoke. Those who heard the voice asked that one more word be added, because they could not endure what was commanded. Even if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that even Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to tens of thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, to God who is the judge of all to the spirits of righteous people who have been made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a New Testament, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better message than the blood of Abel. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at the 22nd verse. He went on his way from one town and village to another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. 
Someone said to Jesus, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Once the master of the house gets up and shuts the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open for us. And he will tell you in reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown outside. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And note this, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is what we heard from the lectern from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at the 22nd verse. I share with you these words once again. Jesus went on his way from one town and village to another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone said to him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Once the master of the house gets up and shuts the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open for us. He will tell you in reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown outside. People will come from the east and west, from north and south, and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who are last will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are you living right now in a home that you would say is your forever home? I heard someone say that they're living in a home right now, but for sure it's not their forever home. And they're still keeping their options open to, to move one day to a home that feels like their forever home. For me, the ideal home, I've always told my wife, was to have a one-story, one-level ranch home, but making sure all the doorways were handicapped accessible for a wheelchair. Because over the years, I've seen too many members not able to go home, ending up in nursing homes and rehab centers, and not to put those down, but yearning to go home be because they couldn't. Couldn't get into their bathroom. Wasn't able to go up the steps. 
in order to lay in their own bed. So a one-story home. But would I call it my forever home? No, I just call it, it would be a simple home. Especially when I keep in mind that I don't want too big of a home because I always have the voice of my mother in the back of my head saying, hey, you know you got to clean that. <laughs> now I hear Jesus speaking about the narrow door. This doesn't sound like it's handicap accessible to go through the narrow door. Well, clearly Jesus isn't talking about a, a door in, in the physical sense. This is a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But it's important to understand this narrow door, especially because this was an answer to the question, are only a few going to be saved? Jesus had been going through towns and villages. That means he had been going through places where there were a lot of people and places where there were only a few. Every place was important as he made his way during those last few months to Jerusalem because this was his last trek. Because in Jerusalem, at the time of the Passover, it would be then he would give his life for the sins of the world. But until then, we have this question, are only a few going to be saved? You might consider it to be a rather strange question because usually the questions that Jesus gets is what must I do to be saved? Always pointing on what works do I need to accomplish to please God so I earn his favor and he lets me into heaven. And of course we've heard Jesus speak to the disciples on his way to Jerusalem concerning it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And even the disciples replied, well, then who could be saved? But as Jesus put it, what's impossible for man is possible for God, for all things are possible for God, who is the Almighty. Are only a few going to be saved? It was a fair question to ask. Nothing strange about it. But Jesus doesn't just simply say yes. Even though that term, narrow door, would emphasize the fact that only a few are going to be saved. For wide is the door that leads to hell, away from heaven. In fact, the opposite direction of heaven. Narrow is the door is not because... The Lord only wants a few to be saved because only a few will be saved. So Jesus replied, strive to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Now, doesn't this sound like that Jesus is saying, go and strive and do your good works. Go work hard to earn that favor. And, and if you do, yes, you'll be going to heaven too. But then he makes the point that many will try to enter and do all that good work that they think is going to please God, and yet they're going to still be left outside. This word strive is a, is a very unique and beautiful word. In the original language, it is a word that means you fight in a contest with always your eyes on the prize. 
And oftentimes it's used in a battle sense, of course, the prize being victory over your enemy, but it's also used in an, in an athletic sense. And the prize being getting across the finish line. That, that is a struggle. So strive here doesn't mean that we need to do all this good work to be saved. Certainly we do good work out of love for the Savior who loved us first. But is Jesus telling us that we're saved by our good works alone? Well, now the question begs to be asked is we hear that this door is narrow, but what is the door? What is the door that leads to heaven? Well, clearly, it has to be the very one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That door is Jesus Christ, the very Savior who said that in order to be his disciple, deny yourself, deny the thinking you can save yourself, and take up your cross and follow me. And there's only one way to follow the Lord, and that is with a believing heart. For all who believe in the Son of God will not perish but have eternal life. So it is through faith in Jesus that we are saved. And this certainly comes out clearly when we see the people that will be in heaven. He speaks of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were all sinful human beings who did not deserve heaven at all. They weren't saved by their own righteousness, by their own good works, and by their own greatness. No, righteousness was credited to them through faith. Remember, Abraham is the father of all believers. So it is through faith we are saved. And that faith doesn't simply come out of thin air. That faith is found by the work of the Holy Spirit who works through the Word. For faith always has to have an object, and the object of saving faith is that gospel of Jesus Christ, revealed only in His Holy Word. So it is through faith we are saved. And so, Jesus speaks of these believers as coming from the east and west, the north and south, coming from all parts of the world. He's not speaking of just Jews are going to be saved. He speaks of the Gentiles. He speaks of people who are male and female, rich and poor, slave and free. He speaks of all people who came to the knowledge of the truth and are saved and will be sitting at the feast in the kingdom of God where we will never hunger or thirst again, where we will be living with the Almighty. Even though Jesus doesn't describe for us what heaven will be like, I can't help but think of the words of Jesus on the cross when he said to one of the criminals, today you will be with me in paradise, like a well-watered garden. Makes me think of the Garden of Eden before the fall into sin when Adam and Eve had that perfect relationship with God and lived without fear, especially without the fear of death. And then I love the words of Revelation 21, where we hear 
it's going to be shouted out that the dwelling of God is with men. They will be his, God will be their God, and they will be his people, washed clean by the blood of Christ. In heaven, God will wipe every tear away. No more pain, suffering, no more death, no more sadness, which leaves only pure joy. Even though the Lord doesn't give us all the details of heaven, one thing we know for sure, there is nothing more glorious than being with the Almighty, our God, and our Savior. But that is true for those who, through faith in Christ, but it will not be true for those who have rejected the Lord and rejected him in unbelief. There will be those that will be left outside. In fact, we're told that the master of the house gets up and shuts the door. One day, when judgment day comes, the last day of this world, that door will be closed. And once it is closed, those that are inside will stay inside. Those who are outside will stay outside. There will be no more judgment. And the Lord makes no mistakes. And what will happen to those that have rejected the Lord in unbelief? They will be rejected by the Lord of the last day. And they will be outside of heaven. And that's hell. And the worst part of it is, being separated from God forever. Oh, the people outside, they'll have excuses. And it sounds like the excuses are good. We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. We were with you. We, we mingled with you. We heard you. But their hearts were clearly far from the Lord. Their actions didn't save them. Their unbelief condemned them. And because of this unbelief, the Lord says, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, you evildoer. And then we're told, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping is great sadness. Gnashing of teeth, always used in two ways. And we use it this way even in the English language. You can gnash your teeth, which means you're dealing with tremendous pain. And we know there's going to be pain in hell because we hear that it is a place of, of fire and burning fire. But gnashing of teeth can also mean great anger. When you gnash your teeth at someone, you hate them. And hell being a place of pure hate and constant hate, and especially hate towards God. Why didn't God take me? When clearly it was their own fault. And they have no one to blame but themselves. Hell is a place we wouldn't even wish our worst enemies, so don't. And hell will be a place. It is a real place. Just like heaven is a real place. Even though Jesus doesn't say it here, the application is clear. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. With that sorrow over sin, trust and believe in the Lord Jesus. 
Know that that faith is a gift of God. And we can't thank the Holy Spirit enough for calling us to faith and keeping us in that one true faith founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now is the time to take to heart God's word. Now is the time to not reject it or, or belittle it or treat it as, yeah, it's important, but it's not the most important because you have other important things to do. Satan is out there tempting us and tempting us to fall away from Christ. All the more to cling to that word, to take to heart that word with eyes focused on the prize, striving to enter through the narrow door. And Jesus is the way to heaven. In fact, he's the only way. My dear friends, you might be looking for your forever home here, but keep in mind, it will never be a forever home. Oh, it might be a nice place, and a place you make memories, and a place you decorate, and a place you lay your head. But our far, forever home is the home that is really home sweet home. It is heaven itself, and our homes here will never compare to that. But until the day the Lord calls us home, continue to have in your home the gospel of Jesus Christ, rejoicing in the fact that heaven is our home, in him alone. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.